Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And um, if a fella ever needs to get centered, if he needs to figure out, you know, what's important in life and try to figure out how society has affected you the way you think, a trip to a third world nation is very, very helpful. It's very helpful to get you back on track going, wait a minute, we have water. How many of you gave thanks for water when you woke up this morning? Yeah. We have electricity. How many of you gave thanks for electricity when you woke up this morning? We have toilets that flush. How many of you gave thanks when your toilet flushed this morning? You see what I'm saying? You know, sometimes in our, and I know I need to behave myself. I really just want to give like a three hour report. So, but, but the truth is, is we all need centering. We all need to be reminded and God is faithful to do that. Amen. Our, we'll get to the report in a minute, but I'm very excited to be here with you all. And very, very excited to tell you about what God has been doing in my heart and in the uh, work that we've been doing. Our call to worship is from Psalm 149. I wanted to pick one of the Hallelujah Psalms because I was kind of feeling a little Hallelujah uh, excitement. And I just wanted to share that with you. Psalm 149 says this, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. Why don't we say that together? Praise ye the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for helping us. Lord, our infirmities, Lord, keep us from even knowing what to pray for. But Lord, you said that you sent your Holy Spirit within us that will, with groanings that cannot be uttered, Lord, you, through the Holy Spirit, you pray the will of God even for us when we don't even know what to pray. Lord, we need your help. We want you to be our Savior, our Salvador. Lord, we need you because we gather each week and we forget our blessings. We forget you, Lord. But today, may we rejoice and praise the Lord as we 
walk with the two-edged sword in our hands, the two-edged sword of the Word of God, which is quick and powerful. Lord, it divides between soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Lord, everything that we think and everything that we believe is, is open to your spirit and to your word and in, it reveals to us who we are and what we are. Lord, as we come into your presence, I pray, Lord, that you would change us, that you would do what only you can do, Lord. We cannot change ourselves. Help us, O oh God, to be conformed, not to the image of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we could be a picture of what you can do. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Just a little bit. Gideon, come on up here and grab the microphone. Gideon is going to read my text for me today. Um, greet the congregation. Say hello. Hello. No, with with the microphone. Remember what I told you? With the hello. Microphone. Okay. Uh, Gideon has not read the scriptures. Um, don't tap the mic. Just put it right there. Say hello. And so he's going to read for us. He, um, I was asking if some of the team would like to say something or read something, and uh, my kids are very hesitant to do that. Uh, but I did receive a text message from my son. He said he would be willing to read. Can we all say thanks be to God? Yeah. You know, um, it is a difficult thing for a lot of people to get in front of other people. Um, and it used to be really difficult for me. Uh, after about 10 years, I stopped getting sick uh, every time. Uh, anybody go, oh, no, you have always like to get in front of people. You just want everyone to look at you. Yeah, right. Okay. M most people do not like it. I actually don't particularly like it. Um, but it is a ne necessity. And so good old Gid here is going to read the scriptures from, did you, do you have your reference ready? No, it's not. It's actually not. Hold on a second here. It's 24, buddy. 24. 2531? There you go. Start reading right there and read the end. Okay? The word of the Lord. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and the holy angels with him shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them, On his right hand come ye blessed, my father. <coughs> there inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hungered, and ye gave me meat, and I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. 
I was a stranger and you took me into and you took me in naked and clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. And then the righteousness and then the righteous answered him, saying, Lord, when saw me then a hundred and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we see thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee, or when saw we sick or in the prisons, prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them, on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an hundred, and ye gave me no meat, and I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. And I was a stranger, and ye took me not into in naked, and ye clothed me not, sick, and in prison, and they visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not one of the least of these, ye did it to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The word of the Lord. God. We mean staying for just a second. Take your Bible with you, buddy. Everybody say, thank you, Gideon. Hey, you know what? It was great. This is his first time to go on a trip with us. Um, you know, the best way to teach your children is to go do stuff and take them with you and let them watch you and let them be a part of it. Amen? All right. Isn't he, Gideon's taller than I am. Isn't that crazy? All right, Gideon, go sit down. Do you know there are people who are hungry right now that are Christians who do not have food to eat? Do you know there are Christians who are thirsty and who don't have any water to drink? There are Christians who are in prison and no one is visiting them. And there are Christians who are sick and no one's bringing them medicine. According to Jesus here in Matthew chapter 25, the test of whether you actually are a Christian or not is whether you give water to people who don't have water and food to people who don't have food and visit sick people who are sick and prisoners who are in prison. Did you know this is the test of Matthew chapter 25? So we ask ourselves today, are you feeding people that are hungry, that don't have food, that are your Christian brothers? This is an important part of the text here. When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, everybody say, my brothers. Now we cannot feed them all. We cannot give them all the water that they need to drink. But if we're Christians, this is what Christians do. Amen? Amen. And guess what, guys? You've been doing it. Our church is doing it. We're not doing it so that we can go to heaven one day. We're doing it because we're going to go to heaven one day and we're going to be with them. 
Amen? And, we're, and in heaven, we're going to go, hey, remember when we came and we brought a doctor? Remember when we came and you didn't have water, but we helped you get that water going? And they'll say, I can, I can never forget that. Guys, we get the opportunity. So yes, it's a scary passage to read here. We'll get into it just a little bit more here in a minute. It's a very scary passage to look at because someone's like, oh no, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. Folks, this is why we do these things. We do them because Jesus came not only to save us for heaven one day, but he came to save us for what we're doing here on earth. God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for helping us by giving us new hearts, giving us hands that are full so that we can hand things out. We're the ones with the little tiny lunch of the loaves and the fishes. And Lord, you multiply it. Oh Lord, you're so good. Help us in Jesus' name to be thankful for it. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you here might not, not even really even realize where the country of Honduras is. So I had Jonathan put a map up for us. You guys like our little Missions to the Americas logo? Wait, let's go back there. Look at that. Tim made that. Can we go back? You guys like that? Did Tim make that one for us? You did a good job, Tim. You did a good job. Um, but right there in the center, flip it to the next. We have the country of Honduras. See it down there? Um, now... It is in Central America, uh, and there's a whole lot of countries down there uh, that you're familiar with. There's uh, Nicaragua, there's Guatemala, there's El Salvador. Do you guys know that El Salvador means the Savior? Like, I almost don't ever want to call that country El Salvador again. I just want to call it the Savior. You know, we visit a city down there called San Pedro Sula, which means Saint Peter. You don't realize how Christian some of these things are because they're in other language, but when you name a country the Savior and they're talking about Jesus Christ, it's kind of an amazing and beautiful thing. So go ahead to the next one. And what I'd like you to do, uh, I will tell you to advance, but I'd like to kind of get into telling what's going on. And if you can watch the slides and just move them. And if I want you to move them back, you can move them back. But can you kind of just see what maybe I'm talking about and maybe you want to just move it along rather than me going advance, advance. Can you do that? We, don't, we haven't done a report like this before. Um, but oftentimes I tell one person a story and another person a story and some people miss out. And so I thought this would be fun. Anybody, are you guys ready to have a little fun? Because we had a lot of fun. Now I can tell you right now that if you uh, had to be with us and... You hear me say we had a lot of fun. You would be snickering a little bit because it was not that fun in some ways. Um, I did some things I'm embarrassed of. Uh, I uh, smelled horribly uh, on many, many occasions uh, and did some terrible, you know, dirty, nasty, yucky, smelly things and lived in some really harsh environments. Uh, we are... I told my wife, I'm like, you cannot even open my suitcase if you may die, if you open my suitcase. The, because we didn't have anywhere to wash our clothes and we didn't have anywhere to get really clean and we didn't really have water and electricity a lot. 
And, uh, and so it wasn't like, oh, let's do laundry. No, it, it really wasn't like that. You know, if we were going to do that, we'd have to figure that out. But so back up a little bit. So we're in, this is where we are in Honduras. Back it up to the big map real quick. See, Honduras is in Central America down here. You see the green, where the green comes down and then the yellow protrudes right there in that corner in what they call the Port of Cortez uh, is the city of San Pedro Sula. It is not the capital city uh, of, the, uh, of the country, uh, but it is, it's, the, it's the coastal city um, on the Gulf Coast. One interesting thing about Honduras is that it is on the Atlantic and the Pacific, you know, on both sides. So go ahead and uh, I guess these were just put in, in random order. Um, this here is Brent Ozan over on the right. And that's me and him actually in a hardware store. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that at another, at another time. But we went down there. And so, wow. All right. Hey, we don't really have an order to these. Like I, I sort of put them out there in order, but maybe they didn't make it in order. It's totally okay. So I guess just turn them at your will. I'm just going to tell you what we did. Is that all right? All right. So when we got there, uh, we, were, we, went to our, we went to a school. This school was uh, called Wellspring of Honduras, and it was actually started around a well. And we, we didn't really know about the theme. There's a theme that God has been teaching us about water. So we were reminded about the water. Wow, okay. Don't look, don't look. This may be impossible. I may absolutely not be able to do this this way. Like, wow. All right, so maybe just turn it off. And no, maybe just let it roll. You guys just wanna look at pictures while I'm talking to you? All right. Maybe this is why I don't do reports like this because I, they're just too distracting. If we would have had, if I would have had time, and I'm sorry that I did not have time to put it together in a in a nice way for you, we were pretty tired. <laughs> uh, and uh, when you don't have electricity and you depend on a CPAP machine, <laughs> it makes it even worse. Uh, but I think the worst part of our trip for us, and I don't want to complain too much about it, but I want you to understand we did have a great time. And it was beautiful, but we were so hot that uh, it was just kind of hard to imagine for, for me to be that hot that much. Now, I would think our friends who lived in Africa know what it means to be really hot, probably, right? Different kind of hot, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but the, but <clears throat> the people there greatly appreciated it. But everybody there, from the time you meet them at 9 o'clock in the morning, they're completely soaking wet with sweat. Um, and... So we rolled in, and when we, we got there uh, in the evening, and the next morning we show up, and we have no idea what they have planned for us. And so they're like, you know what we really need is we really need someone to paint our, our church. And so their church is, is not as big as this, about half the size, um, but it was all concrete block, and that had never been painted. But the church had been built 41 years before, and had never been used as a church. Um, they never finished the building, and the man who built the building got kind of excited into financial success, 
and uh, ended up basically leaving God and his promises to build a church there and to live for God and got involved really in money and making money. And he uh, is still a wealthy man, but he abandoned the church and everything. When I went there in 2019, this church was in such horrible repair uh, and overgrowth around it that you could not get to it. You couldn't even get in. There was so much overgrowth that you'd had literally need a chainsaw to cut to get in. And there were no windows and it was bare concrete. And there was a building where bathrooms were supposed to be, but uh, bathrooms were never put. And, um, and it is on a slope uh, inside stairs uh, going down, down, down. But when you went in it, it was completely flat because it was filled with cow manure because cows for 20 years decided it was a great place to get out of the sun. So they would go in the church. So there was this deep of cow manure in the building. Okay, so are you, you see what I'm saying? And there are these ants and the ants and the, the nettles that grow up are these, which I have a lot of them actually stuck in my hand because we were still cleaning them up three years later. I'm helping clean them up while we were there and trying to burn them. And you'd think you could burn brush in a super hot place, but it's so humid that the fire won't even burn. So it's pretty crazy. But anyway, so we got there and they're like, okay, you guys are going to paint. Well, we didn't really know we were going to paint. And when you have two doctors and a nurse, you know, and then my family, and you're not even in paint clothes and you're kind of like, uh, but it's not like we could just go back where we came from. So we couldn't really go back where we came from. So, and change our clothes. And so in the clothes that we had, we just started painting. And so we're kind of looking around going like, uh, okay, well, you know, and then they left us and they're like, yeah, just when, you know, just go ahead and paint and, and for three or four hours and then we'll, we'll see a little bit later. And then they left. Well, this was a good team building exercise for us. And, uh, uh, Dr. Troy's head nurse is like, she laid on the floor for a good, what, four hours, uh, trying to paint the bottom of the thing. Uh, and at one point a scorpion ran out from underneath her foot and then somebody smashed it, you know. Uh, then you realize you remember where you are. You know, you're like, oh, okay, there are scorpions everywhere. They're like, yeah, yeah, just don't, don't take your shoes off and then put them right back on because it'll really hurt when the scorpion stings you, you know. So these kind of things, you know, you're not really thinking about where you're at. But this is a very hot place and it's a very dangerous place. In fact, my cousin who does, he works for the military and does whatever. I told him where I was and he goes, you, you seriously went there. I'm like, yeah, he goes... Well, may God bless you, brother. Uh, thank God you're home and you're alive. Like, like, that's a scary place. Honduras is one of the most dangerous places in the whole world. Um, it's on the list of, I think, maybe five. Uh, it was the most dangerous place in the whole world a few years ago, but now it's like maybe third or fourth or something like that. Anyway, uh, people with guns, machine guns, machetes, murders, all kinds of kids. Now, we didn't see any of that stuff while we were there. Um, but that stuff is going on constantly. And in addition to that, they get hurricanes and they get weather that's so hot that you can't breathe. Uh, in fact, we went on the island we went on, they told us, we can't believe you came in September because most people never would because even the people that live here have trouble breathing in September. <laughs> but I thought it was great. Did you guys have a good time? Uh, but there were times I would get very discouraged that I would feel like, I don't know if I can go on anymore. Like... <laughs> And then later I would realize, okay, wait a minute, I'm 
dehydrated, you know. Uh, but anyway, so we painted and we painted. Now, I've seen a couple pictures of these tractors. Have you seen these tractors? There was a green one and a red one. Do you know that you guys helped put these tractors together? They were total, complete, falling apart pieces of junk. And we paid to get uh, components bought, to buy paint, uh, and to refurbish them. And they are producing crops right now. The way that uh, Brent put it, and I'll make a video about it, I haven't quite yet, but uh, Brent is like, you know, you could have sent money for food, but instead you build a tractor. And he said that tractor in, in one day can do more work than you could afford to send us in money. And so that tractor is running every day, all day long. That red tractor is running every day, all day long. It's mowing hay, it's baling hay, it's plowing a field, it's hauling this and hauling that. And guess who built these things? Who sent the money? We did. Isn't that awesome, guys? What we found is that when you find people that are productive, that are hardworking, and that are willing, if you give them tools, then they can do more of what they're already doing. And so... Anyway, so we're at the ranch and I've, you know, I wanted to drive the tractor. I never did get to drive the tractor and start the tractor because there was never a moment to like do pretend, you know, hi, you know, hello, this is Mark from Missions to the Americas, you know. It was, it was the, the mission was going on. So we were painting and, and uh, we painted and painted and painted and the, and the paint just kept going into the concrete, you know. And then five gallons was gone and then, you know, 10 gallons was gone. And I'm like, well, we only have so much paint and we only painted this little tiny section you know, so I'm like, well, we're going to need to go to the store. So, so when we had time to go, we went to the store and we bought gallons and gallons and gallons more paint and paint brushes. And then our paint poles broke and we could not go to Home Depot. There was no Home Depot, you know. Uh, and, and so we ended up going to a cool place anyway and, and doing some other things. But so while we're there, I kept thinking this painting is great. And I was kind of feeling bad that Troy, you know, we had two medical doctors with paint rollers, you know, like, like bring us sick people. Like that's what they're here for. And he's like, Mark and Troy's great guys. You know, if, if you don't go visit Troy as a doctor, uh, or if you don't know him as a friend, Troy is fabulous. Troy's excited. Troy's just like, Hey, he said, if we're painting all week, then we're just going to paint. And so Troy's got his roller and he's painting. And you know, it, it turned into quite a fun experience. And by the end guys, the whole inside of the church was painted with base coat. Then the whole thing got painted with a color. And then the, 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 the uh, this is in the beginning. See the bare concrete over there on the side? And see, this was, we were able to get this done for Sunday worship. And when they walked in, could you imagine having seen the concrete on the left that way? You know, it's been that way for 40 years. And walking in and the whole front is white like this. People were walking in going, wow, this is beautiful, you know. But before, but, but the next day we started painting again and we paint the whole place and the columns are a different color than the walls. I don't know if, if I even put a picture up of that. If, if it's up there, we'll see it. But we had a great time painting, painting, painting. So, so here we were, we developed this great team building experience on Saturday. And then we all said, we said, that's it. We'll never paint again. Like, we're done. We ruined all of our clothes and our shoes and we were sweated to oblivion and, and we thought we had suffered for the gospel enough because Sunday came where we can rest. You know, we don't even appreciate Sundays because none of us ever work, right? None of us ever work hard enough to, to like go, oh, it's a, it's a day of rest. In fact, we're like, Sunday's such a tiring day, you know? 
Well, trust me, Saturday was much more tiring than Sunday was, you know. So Sunday comes and we all gather together and we worship and the people came and, uh, and, uh, and we had a great time. We were able to take the Ozan family, all of them and, and their extended family out to a nice restaurant and uh, treat them and, and spend time. And we were really enjoying our rest. So come Monday morning, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking all the misery and woe is over for the painting. Um, but it wasn't. It was only the beginning of sorrows for Gideon and myself uh, and Benjamin. But um, the crew, half the crew, which was, well, more than half the crew. So two doctors and the nurse. And then all the girls and Jonathan all stayed for medical clinic at the school. And so at the school, they went through uh, maybe almost 200 patients for over a two-day period. So while this is going on, we go over to the ranch to work. And when we get there, uh, there are these cows. And go to the the ones where there's bulls and cows and and cowboy stuff, because this was kind of fun. Uh, and it was, it was so hot that we were pretty sure we were going to die, but we, none of us died. Isn't that amazing? Okay. So we were putting, see this thing in the, in the, this is Jared. This is the, uh, Brent Ozan's son-in-law. He's got what's called a gusher and they were gushering into the mouths of these cows, dewormer. Okay. And then, uh, Gideon and I were getting syringes ready with ivermectin, uh, to, to give them shots and it's super thick and it take a re- like super long time to get one syringe filled with five cc's. Uh, in fact, Ben's is actually, I think, giving it a shot right now. Uh, but anyway, we had to go through all these cows and they were in this, they were in this deal. Isn't that kind of a cool picture? Um, but this bull right here gave us a lot of trouble. In fact, um, I don't like that bull very much. It's actually a cow, but uh, it has horns, so I keep calling it a bull, but it's a Brahma. But we got the thing stuck. Do we have a picture of that? We got it stuck between these bars, and at one point, one of the cows went down, and its head went under itself, and its body was laying on it, and we thought we killed the cow. Um, and we had to figure out how to lift the cow with a board to keep it from suffocating to death. Uh, Jared and the other worker, at one point, literally, we, they disappeared, uh, because we got so exhausted and we were so covered in sweat and we were so, we couldn't even, we were losing energy that they had to like go collect themselves. This was very, very hard. At, at one point I got up in there with the bull and put my back on a pole and put my feet on the cow's rear end. Uh, and, and then I realized if the cow bucks, it's going to break me in half and break my back. And so I thought this probably, you guys probably would not have appreciated that, Right. So Benjamin did convince me to get out of there, but it got stuck. See how short it is here? The one bull is way taller. And when he got around, he was this much taller than the bar. And so he, his hump on his back got stuck on the thing. But Benjamin was jumping in there, giving him shots. This is Jared. Now there's Brent there and there's one of the workers. Um, but we worked with the cattle. And just when we thought like, you know, uh, like we had done enough work for like three days and we were done, they're like, okay, you know, the rest of the church needs painted. So if you guys could go over there to the church. And so me and Gid and uh, we're like, uh, okay. And then we go over there and we paint and we paint. Uh, and, and Gideon, where is Gideon? Is Gideon up in the, in the booth there? 
Oh, Gideon was in the booth so he can tell them where to go with these, with these slides. So they had, an, they had a successful day. The children had not been in school for two years because of COVID. And so the requirement in their country is for a child to go to school. They have to have a wellness check. And so they check all the different things. And so they went through each kid and they, they, they made a form which they developed in Spanish and English that they could give to the government where they put the kid's name, uh, the vital statistics, how much they weighed, what their blood pressure was, if they had lice or not or whatever, and went through and checked all of these kids. And this is what they were doing. Now, this is Ricky. Ricky was called by several people there, the tattooed Jesus. Ricky's hair comes down to about right here and he, his whole body's covered in tattoos. And we had the opportunity of seeing that on occasion because he took all of his clothes off except for a pair of shorts because he just got too hot and his whole body's covered in tattoos. He is a Marine uh, and he is a contractor who works in Iraq um, with machine guns and protecting people and shooting people and stuff like that, okay? He is the brother of Eileen, uh, Kyle's wife, and Ricky helped us translate, and Ricky has not been serving the Lord. He's been backslidden, and he got this heart that he was supposed to come and help us, and Ricky was a beautiful member of the team, and we were, and he was feeling very touched, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, I don't know, maybe, maybe Ricky's life is gonna be changed by his time there. Over on the right here, is Dr. Troy's head nurse, Holly. Holly um, is, is, is not a person that's also an active church member. Um, there she is again. Um, but we had some wonderful, wonderful time talking about the gospel with Holly. And Holly's an incredible nurse. And she's one of these get it done people, like when Troy says do this, this, and this, she just does it. Um, but she really, really gelled as a part of the team and we were able to uh, spend a lot of time with her crying and talking about how Christ can make a difference in her life too. Uh, we also brought this other doctor with us whose name is Shairani and Shairani is from Sri Lanka and she's from a Hindu family and uh, she got to be a part of our team and, and uh, I, at one point I tried to nickname her Shekinah because I couldn't remember Shairani. Uh, and she didn't know what Shekinah was, and I'm like, it's a good thing. She's like, I don't know. I'm like, yes, it is. It's a good thing. Um, but but Shairani uh, is a resident physician at uh, Fairfield Medical Center in Lancaster, and I think she's going to be our friend. Um, we really, really love her, and she's an excellent doctor, uh, and Troy is training her. Troy is developing a program where he can train his physicians by going to Honduras or somewhere, and Honduras worked really well this time, they can get credits and, and it can help them in their residency program. And so this is something maybe the hospital can fund and he may be able to bring several doctors um, at a time to do this kind of medical work and we can do that down there uh, in Honduras. It's relatively close as far as third world countries go, you know. So Shirani was a great, uh, deal there. This is her at the school and the school there, you have to pay to go to school in the country and the poor children are not, they, they can't pay. And so they can't go to school. So, uh, this ministry was developed by, uh, before the Ozans got there. Um, and 
So they have a Christian school of all the grades. It starts from the beginning all the way up till, does it go all the way to high school? Elizabeth and Jonathan, yeah. And uh, so they have the children actually work to help pay for their school uh, and they work at the ranch. And this is really just another discipleship opportunity for the kids who are going there. Some of them have gotten scholarships to the universities in um, uh, Honduras because of the work and what they've learned on the ranch. So they're really doing a good job at the school. And we've actually been helped. We've been asked to help them uh, expand it into a, a, like a Bible college kind of a thing. So we may get the opportunity of helping to develop a curriculum for a Bible school uh, and Stephen and Nathaniel, would you guys be willing to help with that? Uh, put together a, uh, a school in Honduras for older kids who want to learn the scriptures. Um, and so I'm sure, you know, all the guys that wanted help being a part of that. So you're leaving it on Chirani a little too long here. But we were at the school, so while one, some people are working, so then Benjamin uh, began, where's Benji? Okay, well, Benji then... Uh, then the team got split into a third. So now me and Gid are painting and uh, one crew is at the school and then Benjamin was drafted to go start slaughtering sheep. Um, when I went there the first time, they started with three sheep and since then, they have literally uh, bred and uh, given away and whatever, like hundreds and hundreds of... And when you go there... When I went there, there, was, there were hardly any fields, and now there's just green fields, and there's cattle, and there's goats, and there's sheep, and there's pigs, and they're just everywhere. And so they have to keep slaughtering them. Um, how, many, how, many, uh, how many sheep did you castrate in one day with, was it 90? I don't know, some gigantic number. I don't know what it was, but so they... They had to, to that's, a, that's, that's a really, really exciting job, just so you know. And, uh, you know, for the kingdom of God, you know, they, they have to ban these animals uh, so that they will produce better meat and they can selectively breed them with selective females so they can have a better stock. So the cows are breeding and they built this dairy and they, they, used, they said that the tools that we bought them when we were there before... Yeah, this is it looking over the ranch in one of their fields. Uh, isn't that beautiful? Uh, one thing about it is it is beautiful. While you're sweating and breathing hard and wondering if you're going to live or, or die, you look over and you go, oh, wow, that's, that's really beautiful, you know. And uh, isn't that cool, guys? Uh, there are, you know, they've killed 28 pit vipers uh, on the ranch. Uh, one bite from a pit viper and you're dead. Uh, they don't have an antivenom for it. They used to when Americans used to spend a lot of time there, but Americans don't go to Honduras very much anymore, so there's not a lot of anti-venom available. Uh, this is actually Pico Bonita. I wish Benita was here to see it. This is beautiful peak, you know, um, off the coast near a place called La Ceiba. But anyway, so we were there, um, and the team got split, and Benjamin went and started um, butchering um, sheep, Right? And so you butchered two sheep, and he got to be a part of it. And while we were there, the big freezers we bought, they were full of meat. And the generators we got, they said, have saved them from losing their meat because their power goes out a lot. It went out while we were there uh, several times in, in, at the school and in, at the ranch. 
but they just fire up the generators. They keep the food cold. Before, they did not have that capability. Uh, but while we were there, we realized that they're not, they didn't have a lot of knives. And so you know what we did? We found a butcher supply store in San Pedro Sula, and we bought them new knives, and we bought them butchering aprons, and we bought them butcher boots so that they're because they're walking around in a lot of blood. Um, this is actually a picture at a local hardware store. This guy in the back is a man who uh, has come to the church there a few times. And he owns a hardware store. And you may have seen the video of it. It's, 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 a, it's more of a local hardware store where you order stuff and they have... Uh, but, but we ended up while we were there painting, you know, you're at the church and you're painting and you're like, is there a bathroom around here, you know? And so there's not. And so you go and there was basically these empty rooms. But they had been plumbed for one day having toilets. And I said, hey, you know... You know what we can do? Toilets are about like 60 bucks. Like that's a lot. But you know, hey, we can just get them toilets. And then I'm like, Ashley, while we're at it, we can get them sinks. And you know what? While we're at it, you know, they got all them babies and, and we can get like a little baby changing table. We can do it. You know what? And guess what, guys? We did it. So that's what we were doing. There they are. We were at, we were there and that room was completely empty. In fact, there was a part of a toilet that was never hooked up, but people used it. Okay, so uh, I didn't realize it until I picked it up and then threw up in the yard uh, afterwards and I couldn't stop going, you know, it was really, really horrible. And then, and, uh, but see the little baby changing table and sink, you know, uh, Brian, this is uh, Eileen's um, brother, Brian, but see, we, they wired it up and uh, they built these out of lumber. I went and bought this lumber um, and how much do you think it cost us? to buy six toilets, two sinks, all the stuff, and the lumber, and all that uh, for this, it's $1,400, guys. Now, that's not a lot, and it, it, it is, because actually our mission is not taking in a ton of money right now. If you have a lot of money and you want to put it somewhere, we could use it. But for $1,400, guys, we gave a whole church two bathrooms. They had 200 people in their community there at their church for movie night. And they didn't have a bathroom. Would you guys have 200 people to your church if you didn't have a bathroom? We wouldn't do it, right? But now, what do we got, guys? Now, just so you know, things are different in Honduras. You'll notice on the bottom, do you see how you can see the little dots at the bottom where the screws come out? See how there's no screws coming out? You know how they have the little cap, you know, that we like to put on so that things are really clean? Well, they don't have the caps because they don't have the screws. Because if you don't pour concrete and then put the toilet in it, your toilet will be stolen the next day. They have a problem with stealing there, okay? So these toilets that we bought had to be concreted in the ground so that they would still be there when church came on Sunday. So you'll see around the bottom the wet concrete as it's drying. Life is different in Honduras, okay? And uh, so anyway... So we helped do this. Can you believe we got to do all this stuff? So it was amazing for us that they're like, I'm like, well, let's buy a baby changing table. They're like, no, let's make one. And I'm like, well, let's get like the little cabinets, Ash, you know, that go like with the sink. And they're like, well, this is Honduras. And they're made of particle board and they'll last about 35 minutes. Uh, and then the particle board will like disintegrate. And, and so this is, so the wood we got was real good treated, pressure treated wood 
Uh, and if you've never seen a real two before, go to Honduras. They actually, they're four inches wide by two and they're like, they're good wood. They're, they're made from, you know, but, but this was literally done in an afternoon after we brought the stuff out there. And so we were able to be a part of that. So while we were there, they're like putting in toilets and, the, and then they brought workers and they're painting and it was just amazing. And then we we're getting reports, what's going on over at the school there, you know, and, 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 and all the while we got to like drink water. And, and if we wouldn't drink water, we like pass out. Like, like when you're sweating that much, if you don't drink and drink and drink. And Dr. Troy was smart. He had a backpack, which I wish I had a picture of. Uh, and he looked like Darth Vader. It just, the backpack had a thing. And he's like, you know, and they're like putting electrolytes in it. And, and uh, at one point, Gideon actually walked across the floor and then just passed out, fell into a fan and destroyed the whole fan. Uh, it was the only fan we had. Uh, so it was a little discouraging. Uh, and, and, he, and, and, and he goes, Dad. Troy's not even concerned. He goes, well, you're going to have to drink water, uh, Gid. And, uh, you know, made me thirsty just thinking about it. So this clinic went on and the painting. And, and so uh, me and Gideon, uh, oh, and so I ended up running to the hardware store to help get the thing and hang out and spending time with Brent and learning about more about what's going on there uh, while Gideon uh, kept working at the ranch. So now we're separated into four teams. Okay. We're, and, and so we really, we really, 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 really were working hard. And so there was a, um, group of people that we met. I told you about the people that helped us with these air conditioners here. Um, they had a family in a place called Utila. And we wanted to, you know, when you, when you do rough mission work, you kind of think, you know, is there something we could do that might be a little bit fun, you know, while you're there, you know, like, would it be, would it be a crime to like have fun, you know? And so the last time we were there, we went to this place called Tella and it was very pretty and it was on the ocean. And it was like, wow, it's gorgeous. Um, well, I would describe it as very lackluster and very not pretty at this point based on what we did this time. So these people invited us to an island, uh, and it's actually an island key. Do you guys know what a, a key is, like, you know, Key West? Only down there they spell it C-A-Y, okay? And uh, a key, like, you can, like, Florida is Florida, but then there's the Florida Keys, right? So Utila, U-T-I-L-A. Um, oh, and that right there is called Water Key. That's one of the keys. It's an uninhabited Paradise Island, which if you saw it in person, you would wish you were there. And, and it is absolutely stunning, by the way. So yes, what we saw was stunning. I had the most incredible wildlife experience that I've ever had in my life, um, swimming in this water here. Um, you, if you've seen the blue planet and you've seen all the different colors of the coral and the colorful fish and all that, they're right in there. And, and no one is here. People, tourists don't come here, but this was made because they thought they might. So tourists don't really come here. Um, this is everywhere. We were on an island that had no roads, uh, no cars, no motorcycles, nothing, just just little path. And all there's all houses, and that's where we were. And everyone lives off the sea out there. And it is where the very, very poor people live um, who end up helping tourists on other islands. And these people are so poor that when we visited Smyrna Baptist Church 
and they explained their situation. He's like, you know, we were ready to quit. Like we, we, we were very tired and we, you know, it's a hard, it's hard living here. And, and to, he, they said, to give you understanding of how hard it is, the people are so poor that our offering was nothing for the first few years, but then it made it up to 50 lempitas per month. Does anyone know how much a lempita is? 24 lempita is $1. So they finally have made it, their church, to where they get $2 a month in their total offering. So do you think things are cheaper on an island or more expensive? They're expensive. So how do they live? They don't. They don't very much. The people are very malnourished. Um, do you know that um, part of the reason they do the ranch down there is they make cheese. They have milk from their cows. They have cows and sheep that they slaughter and they feed the children. Um, they literally calculated the health of their children when they started adding meat and the children's growth um, accelerated by about four inches in one year. Can you believe that? They had no protein. The reason why they're smaller and is they lack the, the protein that they, that they need and a lot of them are very malnutrition and their lifespan is very short. Uh, but many of these people would absolutely name the name of Christ. And, you know, this is actually Pastor Egon Mendez of the Smyrna Baptist Church. He was very, very blessed to have us, he and his wife. We could never talk to them in English uh, because they, they only speak Spanish and we don't speak Spanish. Um, but he did have technology and he would walk around with his phone and he would type things into me and show it to me. And... The translation on the phone is actually not working very well because sometimes it would say crazy things. But we went there and when they told us what their biggest need was, their biggest need was is they don't have water to drink. And you'd think on an island there would be plenty of water. Yeah, there is. It's salt water. Um, but, but they don't have well that they can drink because there are wells, but they don't have electricity to pump the wells. Uh, and they just have a lot of tribulations, Okay. So they were very discouraged, and many of the people are sick. Um, but while we were there, we discovered something amazing uh, that ties into us and our church and our church's mission. And uh, we have found that as God is using us with the Chin and the Chin people, and you guys know the stuff with the museum and missionaries and republishing missionary stories, right? So imagine we're in Honduras. And then out of Honduras, we're out on an island. And then on the island, we're out on a little island off of the island, which is not really an island, it's a key. So would you say that's very specific and very far away and very remote, right? Kind of an odd place, right? So we're on this island, Key, and the pastor there of the Pentecostal Church of God, his name is Glenn Diamond, who was very hospitable to us and who speaks English. This island was colonized by the British. And so on this island are a bunch of white, English-speaking British people who've lived there for four generations. And so Pastor Diamond is walking with me and he says, you see this building over here? Now imagine, we're not on Honduras. We're not even on a big island of Honduras. We're on a little tiny key that I had no idea ever existed in the history of the world and neither would you. But we happen to be there and as Troy is doing a house call with a Nigerian family, he says, you see where they are? Do you see this building right here? I said, what? He goes, 
This is the first Christian Protestant church in all of Honduras. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Christianity in the Protestant form began right here on this key in that house. And I'm like, wow. And most people don't know the story of it. And the story really hasn't really been told. Uh, but missionaries came and they stopped on that island before they went to Honduras and they began their mission work all over the country. Isn't that amazing? And God put us right there in this very odd place, just accidentally, providentially doing a house call or we would have never, never even noticed it. They're like, check it out. So what it tells me is that God puts us in these weird places to do things. And the thing that God has been putting on my mind, these are these, uh, everyone there lives off the sea and they have these little boats uh, and they go out, they go out fishing. Um, and they catch lobster and red snapper and tuna. Even Pastor Glenn Diamond, that's what he does. What, are, what else do you have a slide of? The boys with the lobsters, they've seen those. These are, and you may, you may wonder, were they, you know, did they come to Honduras as slaves from Africa? No, these are actually descendants of Nigerian colonists who came uh, a long time ago and had a colony there as well. So, advanced. Have we seen all the slides that are up here? These are just colorful houses. Uh, the island is beautiful, uh, if not difficult. But, oh yeah, I got to tell you this story. So, you see this man here? His name is Elisha. So, we're on the island and uh, part, of, part of serving the Lord and trying to be led by the Spirit is you don't always know what you're going to do and where you're going to do it. Um, but Elisha here hasn't had a hand for 32 years. And so we asked around, because, you know, you know, you know how the little boy who brought his loaves and fishes, right? What did he give? Everybody say he gave what he had. So someone gave me some hands. So when I go to these places, I'm like, hey, does anybody know anybody that needs a hand? Well, in San Pedro Sula, or well, in that area over there by the ranch, they have found a guy, and he uses a hand every day. So I asked the people on the island, do you know of anyone? They're like, well, there is this one guy who lives on the island that we know of, and he is a delivery driver, and he, he has one hand. And I'm like, well, how can we find him? So I'm calling, and I'm trying to find this guy, find this guy. And I'm like, you know what, we're just going to go over there. We'll see if God will lead us over there. We go over there, and you know what, Joy? He drives right by. And someone goes, well, there he is right there. And then and someone's running down the street, and then we get the guy, and we bring him over. And uh, as you can see, the team is there. We're right on the street, and tourists are gathering around. They're like, what are these people doing? And, and people are like, they're giving this man a hand. And they were like, emotional. Now, for me, being at a medical missions conference and people saying you can have these hands, I dreamed of a day when I would get to see them on somebody. And we got to put them on this fella here and his son, which is not in the picture, uh, but he does come later. I don't, I don't know if I gave them a picture of that or not. He came as well. And he was injured in a car accident 30 years ago. 
and he's been without a hand. And we're hoping to get some videos soon of him using the hand. He's figured out a way to make a living for himself and uh, provide for even a, a family through it, but he hasn't had a hand. Um, that was pretty intense. You know, if all we went to that country for was to bring that one guy a hand, wouldn't that be something? And so we got the, and, and the way that it happened was really, really just providential. Like, hey, and there he is, you know. We're literally looking for the man. We, we'd arrived in a little boat, a water taxi. We got there, and I'm like, okay, guys, let's see if we can ask around. You know, I'm asking people at the dive shop. I'm asking people on the sidewalk, you know, a guy. And, and uh, Brian asks a taxi driver, and the taxi driver's like, oh, I know him. And then he goes, and there he is. <laughs> you know, you know. But the Lord was good to us to allow us to be a part of it, you know. Um, I was thinking about the goodness of God in my life and I was thinking what a wonderful thing it is to be able to publish a Bible in a language that we don't know. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to give a hand to somebody who doesn't have one. What a wonderful thing it is to be a part of a church so that they, they can have bathrooms, you know. And the thing that God began to deal with me about and I was sharing a little bit with the deacons up here is I really, really think that what I want my life to be about is, is I want to I do small things. Small things that really don't seem to be that important. And it may, maybe in your mind, you know, this was far away and it was a big deal. Not really. The hand was free. It was given to us. And all we had to do was find a guy and put it on. How hard is that, right? But you know what? We can do small things, Michael, right? We don't have to change the whole world. We don't have to try to find every person in the world with a hand that doesn't have a hand and, and try to build some gigantic apparatus or whatever. No, nope. just some people who are willing to go. You know, Dr. Troy and Jonathan and Gideon and Brian and Holly and Rebecca and Elizabeth and me and Anna and Shirani. We were a little team there and we had Brian and his two children and Ricky and Benji. And is Benji not in that picture? Why didn't you come to Utila, Bench? Because he was eating peanut butter and jelly and uh, sweating into oblivion. That's right. But we tried to make up for it. When we came back, we took him out to a nice place to eat. Um, but something that God was dealing with me about the last few days is, how many of you are content that God is good and he's given us what he's given us? And why don't we just enjoy each other? And, and I'm, I'm serious. What's our memory verse? I've learned in whatsoever state I am. There would to be content. I've learned how to abound, and I've learned how to not have so much. And, you know, uh, I complained that I was hot or that I didn't have air conditioning or electricity or whatever. I did. I did. Uh, but I'm not complaining today about what isn't exactly the way I want it here. And... There is something in us that feels like, or maybe it's in me, maybe it's not in you, but I'm always kind of thinking, I need to really do something for God. And I guess what God was encouraging me is just to just, you don't have to really do something, just do something. And it is how everything that we've done has been. When we started uh, in Myanmar, we didn't have any money whatsoever. And so we said, well, would you at least put your quarters in a little jar? Remember that? That was the beginning of raising a lot of money. And we've kind of moved away from that. Let's put chains in a change jar and see what we can do. 
and kind of got the idea, at least I have, that maybe we need some big thing. I don't know that we do. I want to uh, find people we can be a blessing to. Brent and Brian are good people to, to partner up with. Um, it was a great, great inspiration to be with Brent, riding around in his car with him and hearing his heart uh, and, and what he wants to do, how he wants to see the gospel up spread through Honduras and, you know, being with Dr. Troy. You know, Dr. Troy's content painting or, you know, if we had to do some surgery, he was ready. He had scalpel, he had sutures, they, you know, they're ready. We don't know what we're going to need. We don't know what God's going to call us to do. But, but people want to serve the Lord. They want to use the gifts that they've been given. And uh, we were able to be in a church and, and, you know, Rachel, we had four people come to the church other than the pastor's family. Not that big. I went to visit another church and only one person other than the pastor's family was there. Uh, but his sister was there and his daughter was there, his son was there, uh, and Newton. And I'll, I'll end by telling you a little bit about a guy named Newton. And where is Newton? Newton is in a blue shirt. Uh, well, he's not in a blue shirt. He's in a... All right, you see this guy? And I, I wish I, I would have known how to do this and make the audio for you. I'd want you to hear him talk. But Newton, as you can see, see what he's missing there, guys? He's missing a leg. Uh, people dream their whole life of going to this place to go diving because it is the most stunningly beautiful coral reef that you can imagine. And I'm telling you, I'm not joking. It's so stunning. It's, it's hard not to just want to be underwater the whole time. It's, it's, it's unreal. It's gorgeous. And I did get a mask and some flippers and I went out there and I did it. And I, I will do it again. But this man was getting, he went to a place where tanks were being filled up and a tank busted off. It flew through the air. It ripped his leg off. It went and it hit a girl and went right through her body. 15 year old girl and killed her. And he has been without a leg for quite some time. Um, I actually want to get him a prosthetic leg from Willow over here. And I'm going to go over to Willow and I'm going to talk to him about it. Um, he makes a living for himself, deep, deep sea fishing. Uh, but, but he is a member of the Pentecostal Church of God there and he's a sweet man. Well, uh, when I was asking about a person with no hand, they said, well, we don't know a person with one hand, but we know a person with one leg. And so they said, you should meet Newton. And they said, and Newton really went through something rough recently. So I said, well, what was it? They said, well, he was, his, his engine broke down at sea and he was stuck at sea for six days with no food and water and he, he almost died. Now, you have to understand that when the sun at about nine o'clock hit my body there, I literally was looking where I could run away from it. Like it's that brutal. He was for six days in a boat and the top blew off and he was exposed to the sun and he had no store of water and he had no food. And he told me his story and I sat with him for an hour and I will not tell you the hour long version. I'll tell you the few minute version of it, but this is your brother in Christ and he is, he loves the Lord. And Newton is out there with one leg trying to earn a living for his wife and, and himself. And he lives on this island. 
among the very, very poor. These people are poor in one way and another way. They're rich because they're in this beautiful, beautiful place. So he says he, his engine broke uh, when he got so exhausted trying to fix it. He sat down. Uh, there was a scorpion in his hat. He says it was about this big. It came out and stung him on his face several times. Then went down his shirt and stung him in his back. And he took his shirt off and then he got a machete and chopped the thing up because it stung him so many times. That was on day one. And he proceeds to tell me what happened each day. But at a certain point in it, he just starts crying. And he said, and God began to speak to him. And he began to speak to him and he says, God does not forget his children. And he said, and I am going to save you, Newton. And he said, and you will be tied to your dock in this boat by 1130 tomorrow. And he was at this very, very end of his, at the end of his rope. And there was a, uh, a gallon jug of antifreeze, which they use in diesel engines. And he said, something kept telling him to drink it. And if you know anything about antifreeze, you don't drink antifreeze, it will kill you. It is deadly poison. It is not like bad for you. It will kill you. And he believed that the Lord was telling him that he had turned the antifreeze to water. Well, I'm thinking as he's telling me the story, you obviously been bit by a scorpion and your sunstroke and... Uh, you think God's talking to you and you've just lost your mind. And he's crying and he's telling me the story. And I'm wondering where it's going. And finally he said, well, I'll tell you what happened. He said he knew he would die if he drank it. But he really believed God was telling him that he churned it to water. And he said, open it up and find out. He says, and I opened it up and he said, it was pure water. He said, and I took the cap off and he said, and I spilled a quart of it down my chest because I was so thirsty that I was ravenous. I was just crazed with thirst. And he said, I'd spilled probably a quart of it down my chest. He goes, but it was water. And he sipped on it all the way until he was rescued and he was rescued. And he, he said, and I forgot until someone told him the time. And they, he says, when they tied up his boat to the dock, he said it was 11.30. He goes, it was the exact time that God had told me he was going to have me tied. He goes, and he has kind of a neat accent. He goes, you'll be tied in your, you'll be tied here in your dory on the dock at 11.30 tomorrow. And he said it was the moon that was, he said God was speaking to him through the moon, through this full moon in the sky. And I kind of thought this man is crazy. You know, and I thought maybe he's just an old crazy man with a crazy story. And uh, the next day I wanted to go meet his pastor. And so I did. And the pastor volunteered to take us on a boat ride and show us where things were and help us out quite a bit. And we made friends with him. And he's got a young family with a bunch of uh, neat, neat young teenage kids uh, who ended up going swimming with us. And, and uh, anyway, nice, nice kids, uh, Brady and Blake. And Brenna and his wife is Brenda, and his name is Glenn Diamond uh, of the Pentecostal Church of God. And he speaks English. He's a British, uh, a British generational, like a fourth generation British person born there on the island. 
but he's the pastor. He says it's his desire to bring the churches together, to, to work together, even on an island like that, that small. There's a Methodist church, the Pentecostal church, the Baptist church, um, but they all agreed and we spent time together. Hey, we're Christians and we want to love each other and there's a lot of needs here on this island. But those words actually rung in my mind as I spent time with him. I said, well, what about this Newton guy? I went over to his house and he goes, I'll tell you, you might not believe it. He goes, but Newton hears from God and Newton always has. And you might think he's crazy, but I'm telling you, Newton's not crazy. He was lost at sea and there was a struggle there and it was a real struggle with God and God saved Newton. So this pastor was, he was, uh, he really believed the man's story. And I'm, I'm not saying that I don't believe it. I'm saying I didn't really believe it at the time. I was kind of taking it with a grain of salt. Um, but according to the pastor, this man is a genuine Christian. And so they had prayer meeting and I went to, um, I went to their little prayer meeting and just a few people showed up and in comes Newton. And he comes down and he sets in the church. And uh, Newton was kind of expressing to me that even after all that he went through, he still has to make a living. And so he was telling me he's got to have his boat fixed and uh, the, the engine problem that happened. And so we're there and they were asking for prayer requests. So I raised my hand and I said, I'm praying that Newton gets his boat fixed, you know. And Newton goes, the Lord already answered the prayer. He said, after you left, he said, I got a call and the part that I need, they found it. And he goes, and we already put it in. And he goes, and my boat's fixed. And the pastor said, you know, God has, knows what we need even before we ask him. Isn't that kind of neat? So, hey, I know this report was not that great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> huh? The pink house is the house where the first Protestant Christian church was uh, there. So, you know, the people there are Christians. They want to serve the Lord. They have all the same problems you and I do uh, with sin and all of that. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ. I think I'm going to go back to that island. I think that we can be an encouragement to them. You know, maybe we'll fix their pump for their well. Um, I don't know what we can do. But I'm not really thinking that it's all up to me to do it all. It is up to me to fix it all or up to me to save them all. But I am feeling like I want to be like that boy who offered his fish and his bread and God did something with it. That's what I want to do. And I think that our little church and maybe our little church will be a little church. It'll be just like this and that'll be fine. God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And he will lead us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And will build us a school, Stephen. And whoever wants to go to it, we'll go. And I'll tell you what, I'll be going to it. I want to learn Spanish. You know why? So I can talk to Pastor Egon. So I can talk to the people of Honduras. So I can talk to Daniel and Javier and, and others. And you know what? God may use us to make a difference in their lives. And I'm thankful that we made a difference in Elisha's life with his hand. That we made a difference in the lives of the church people there at Cornerstone Christian Church by giving them bathrooms Amen? Isn't the Lord good? And I know I'm usually preaching and I'm usually expository, this and that. And uh, I'm thankful that Tim was able to get in the pulpit and to lead you all in worship. And, uh, and Tim, 
You don't need to pound the pulpit and preach for two hours and, and you don't need to offer any gift that you don't have. Offer what you've got. And we all can offer what we have. And I think God is going to do in us some beautiful and wonderful things and we'll build memories together and in heaven we'll have a lot to talk about and God will make it all clear to us why he did what he did through us little band of, uh, of believers right here. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for just giving us so much in one another, Lord, for blessing us, Lord, with uh, the beauty of knowing one another. And when they pray, we can be a part of answering that prayer. Thank you for bringing us new friends into our lives and people that maybe we don't have all the resources to fix all of their issues, but they're not even asking for that. They're really just wanting to be loved as a brother and sister and Maybe we can do just something little for them, Lord, and maybe make their lives better. Maybe we could just pray for them now that we know their names and we know what they're doing. Maybe we could connect with them a little bit and be a blessing to them. Lord, help us to see that this is how your kingdom comes and how your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the little thing that the blood vessel brings, that the, that the cell brings, the little nourishment to each cell the little small things, Lord, that end up making a full-strength body, the body of Christ, who can crush all the powers of the devil. Help us, O oh Lord God, to be that little part in the big thing that you're doing. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note, and also consider partnering with us.